Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. everybody back to another episode of Halitech Hall. Good evening, Mr. Halitech. How are you, sir? It's great to be on this Victory Tuesday. Uh, you know, obviously, we we always, uh, all of Bears Twitter talks about when the Bears win. It's Victory Monday, the day after. We're taping now Tuesday evening, a day earlier than we've been taping in the past. Uh, but it's, it's great to uh, sit here and and uh, have some good fortune on our side because over the past couple of years we've we've had some bad fortune going from the uh, the double doink to uh, to a, a missed field goal uh, against San Diego and the 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 dumb penalty running into uh, the kicker in in London against Oakland that that, that you know those two three plays you know knocked us out of the playoffs and knocked knocked us out of the playoffs in eighteen and knocked us out of the playoffs in 2019. Uh, so it's nice to get 20 on our side with a, with a positive break. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about this evening. And who better to, to uh, join us but the uh, writer for BearReport.com, the one and only Zach Pearson. Zach, good evening. How's it going, guys? Going great. Yeah, kind of a crazy day, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, one of yeah. the crazier in, I think, in recent Bears Twitter history, I would say. Yeah, it was a pretty wild day. I mean, even the morning and then kind of continued out through the afternoon and then kind of got a nightcap right around dinner time with everything that went down. Yeah, yeah. The uh, so obviously what, you know, what happened earlier this morning in, in Chicago radio is uh, a stalwart at the score uh, was let go for well he he was stupid he he made a dumb tweet uh, about a, a female reporter because of the way she was dressed said she kind of looked like somebody who was uh, presenting an award at a at a uh, at a porn awards show uh, and he got let go we're not going to talk about his name but if you follow Chicago sports at all you know who he is. Uh, and then, of course, in the afternoon, back to Bears world, uh, Brad Biggs, according to his quote-unquote sources, uh, leaked that Allen Robinson had asked for a trade. And then uh, right around lunch or dinner time, as you were saying, Zach, uh, his agent was on with NFL Network uh, through through Twitter saying that, in fact, no he had not asked for a trade, and it's just a, you know, it's, and I had talked about this earlier today, 
uh, with some people at, at work saying, um, I think this pulling of this bear stuff off of Instagram and social network is a negotiating ploy. And Aaron, before we started the show, you in fact concurred with that. So uh, tell us a little bit about the what you t- you saw with uh, with Alan's agent and Greg Gabriel on Twitter today. Uh, yeah, well, I think one of the interesting, one of the weirdest things about how this all unfolded was <clears throat> after every he pulled down all the social media stuff, everybody started to speculate, right? And sports radio does what it does, and you know, um, starts talking, and you know, they there had already been fuel out of the fire because he had said way back on ESPN that they hadn't, maybe three four months ago, had said that they had not. Um, had any talks about a contract and then he had a couple of cryptic tweets and then he's had some other you know not so cryptic tweets where he's basically confirmed that the that the, the uh, contract negotiations were not ongoing and then as every single team seems to have extended somebody you know there's been this groundswell of support from the bears fans to get this guy extended and and allen's had you know little comments about all of the the extensions especially especially the receivers you know here and there he's had you know he's tweeted uh things that you know and then he'll say oh that wasn't bad that wasn't that you know or what have you uh but it's pretty clear <clears throat> what it is so then after he pulled down all the social media uh lauren cox who's the uh one of the hosts of the uh, or i think the host of the locked on bears podcast um made a video and it was kind of this this parody video um you know sort of saying you know free alan robinson from his plate as as a receiver with bad quarterbacks well this went quickly viral and it even got retweeted by alan robinson's agent which kind of set twitter further afire and then you know everybody's been <clears throat> speculating and then brad biggs comes out with the story well, Greg Gabriel, longtime, uh, you know, uh, talent uh, scout and um, pro player personnel director for the Bears, et cetera. You know, he's a Twitter guy as well, came on and said, you know, Brandon Parker, Eugene Parker's son, who I worked with, um, you know, is a good agent, a tough agent. And, um, you know, he will uh, he will be fair and they'll get something done. And then he went on to say that they had a conversation in which. Basically, Brandon Parker said, you know, this is an ongoing situation and everybody just needs to be patient. So that's kind of kind of where we are right now. But it has truly been bizarre. And I think probably one of the stranger parts about it is if you've got Bears players uh, chiming in, you know, at first it was Corderell last week and then today it was Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney and Khalil Mack retweeted some stuff and. Um, Tariq Cohen was also. Yeah, Tariq Cohen was one of the. Pay the man. Yeah, right. You know, and then everybody's had a different hashtag today, um, and it was trending on Twitter. Extend Allen Robinson. So it's been, you know, as big as any story of recent memory. You know, for the Bears on Twitter, it's it's been big. Um, And you know, I don't honestly know. (laughs) I don't know where we're at. I mean, you, you could make a pretty good case for for everybody's rationale on either side of things. Um, but it's, it's, it's been bizarre uh, to say the least. So Zach, uh, you know, getting back to, uh, to the NFL, uh, 
You know, it was a, a pretty interesting week one in, in the NFL, starting with the Kansas City game and going all the way through the uh, the, the Denver Tennessee game last night. There was a there was a lot of fun contests. Yeah, it was um, a pretty wild week one, and probably one that you expect. You know, every year week one is kind of you know, that week that you're going to get a couple upsets, you're going to get a couple of close games. And I think this year was especially the case due to, you know, the lack of off-season activities, no preseason games. So there's going to be a little bit of rust going on with a lot of teams. And really, you look at, I mean, only really Green Bay, Kansas City, Baltimore, you know, a couple of other teams were looked like they were firing on all cylinders and looked like they didn't have any rust at all. But I mean, yeah, there there was some there was some interesting games at noon kickoffs, and then there was a couple of afternoon games that were good. I, I had my eye on uh, Cincinnati and um, San Diego with Joe Burrow's debut, and then the two Monday night games to cap it off. I actually think, you know, one of the best games of the weekend, aside from the Bears Lions, was uh, Las Vegas at Carolina. It was a back and forth game the entire time, and man, Josh Jacobs is uh is really damn good. Really good. So the uh, of course the season kicked off in Kansas City with their with the uh, Thursday night edition of Sunday night football. The Chiefs uh, ended up going uh, on, on to win 34 to 20. The Sunday games we had the Eagles were in Washington and the Washington football team just picked apart the offensive line of the Eagles. I think they had eight sacks. They came from behind and roaring back to win 27 to 17. Um, Cam Newton had an interesting debut, not a lot of, of air, but he did a lot of running, uh, which was something new for, for the Patriots. Uh, so they, they really uh, focused their game plan around the talents of Cam Newton, pulling out a 21 to 11 victory. Uh Never give Aaron Rodgers a shot at the at the end of a half. The uh, the Vikings were in control of this game early. They had an early seven to three lead. The uh, the the Packers forced a safety, and then late in the second quarter, Aaron Rodgers threw two touchdown passes in 28 seconds, and that was the difference in the game as they ended up uh, outlasting the Vikings 43 to 34 in what was the highest scoring game of of the weekend. The Jaguars, this was interesting. They surprised the Colts, even uh, though it was in Jacksonville. But uh, I don't think anybody suspected the Jaguars to come out with a 27 to 20 victory. Uh, The Raiders game, as you talked about, Zach, that was a a very interesting game with the Raiders uh, coming out ahead 34 to 30 over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Jets uh, lost to the Bills 27-17. to The Ravens just pounded the hapless Cleveland Browns 38-6. to So are they going to have a new coach after week two? <laughs> we'll, find, we'll find out because they got to play Cincinnati on Thursday. Uh, Russell Wilson continues to do what Russell Wilson does. Uh, they uh, went to Atlanta, and it's not – the easiest thing for a West Coast team to come all the way to the East Coast, uh, they ended up uh, outlasting the Atlanta Falcons 38-25. to The Chargers, uh, what an interesting game. The, you know, Burrow looked just as solid as could be leading them downfield uh, into, into field goal position to tie the game. 
and their field goal kicker pulls his, his a calf muscle on on his uh, field goal attempt, and it went wide right, and he ended up losing 16 to 13. One of the biggest shocks I thought of the day was the Cardinals. Uh, you know, they they pretty much manhandled the 49ers in San Francisco and eked out a 24 to 20 win. Uh, the Saints uh, kind of handed Brady his, his lunch to him and, and beat Tampa 34-23. to 23. Uh, Sunday night football, the Rams outlasted the Cowboys 20-17 to 17 in a game that put me to sleep. Uh, and, and then the, the Steelers uh, in the second half really ended up taking it to uh, the Giants. They had the, the game well at hand only to uh, let's, the uh, Giants score a, a late touchdown to make that score 26 to 16. And then the Titans uh, in the last game of the weekend beat the Broncos 16 to 14. Of course, I left out one score, that being the Bears game. The Bears, it was a struggle, man. In the first half, they traded, they traded field goals, and then all of a sudden Detroit got hot. Uh, after after the Bears didn't do anything uh, at the two-minute warnings, Detroit came right down. They scored a touchdown to uh, to make it 13-6 to at halftime. They scored 10 unanswered points the first two times they had the ball. Uh, going into the fourth quarter, led the, the Bears 23-10, to and then magic happened. Zach, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, it was, uh, man, it was a tale of definitely two halves, almost a tale of three quarters in, in the fourth quarter. And yeah, to start, I mean, to start the game, you know, the Bears offense got pretty, you know, clicking on the ground. Um, there was a lot of open holes to run through, and the offense line is playing well. But, you know, they were putting drives together, but the offense just really could not score touchdowns. They were selling for field goals, and then, you know that you mentioned it that ha- that, that that sequence right before the half and then coming out of halftime. You know if if Mitchell Trubisky doesn't turn it on and have the three touchdowns, I think Monday morning, Tuesday morning here and and Wednesday morning we're criticizing Matt Nagy for how he played that uh, final drive before the half. The Bears got the ball back with you know just over a minute and they opted to throw the ball three times, completed one and and Cohen went out of bounds on the one completion which stopped the clock. And then the Bears had a punt after a quick three and out. It was three plays, 14 seconds, and about three yards. And, you know, that gave Detroit an opportunity to kind of go down the field and score a touchdown, which they did. And then they came right out firing in the second half as well. So, you know, I think there's some, you know, it's a nice win. It's a win. Um, It's hard to complain about a win. But, I mean, there's still some things that worried me about that, about how the Bears looked and, you know, maybe some coaching decisions, things like that. But, you know, it, it's good to be excited because that fourth quarter, I mean, that's what you want to see from Mitchell Trubisky. That's what you hope you get uh, when you draft a guy number two overall. And, you know, he they said it today. Cody Warrior said it today that the Bears were confident in that huddle. I mean, they looked at Mitch, and he was confident the whole game. He w- wasn't down on himself, um, and, and he was kind of ready just to take over when he needed to. And, you know, a couple of freak plays happened. There was a tip pass for the interception, a, a missed field goal from Prater. And then Trubisky comes back and leads them down the field for, you know, three scoring drives. So that was pretty big for them. You know, it's a good win. It's just there are still a little some worries for me uh, here going into week two. There definitely are worries. And let's let's start that right with the defense. 
you know, the the defense, I, this is a perception, obviously, because we're not we're not there. We don't see what's going on. But after that mistake at the end of the first half and Detroit came down uh, and scored the touchdown to, to give them a, a, a you know, seven point lead at halftime. And then Detroit got the ball back to start the second half. And it just seemed like there was nothing emotionally on defense. And they were just, it was like they were almost spent. And, you know, they came down and they scored another field goal. And all of a sudden it's now 23 to six. And you're thinking, you know, let, let's all be real. We were probably all thinking that Trubisky's going to get benched and Foles is going to come in and it's going to create a, a, a huge controversy. Uh, but some things happened along the way. And, you know, the, uh, uh, the Detroit Lions didn't have their, their first, uh, their, their draft pick run defensive back. He was out injured. They didn't have their star wide receiver. He was injured. And then they lost a couple more defensive backs during the course of, of Sunday's game. And for whatever reason, uh, Matt Patricia does what he always does. And he goes back to his man-to-man off defense. And I'm Mitch Trubisky excels. He excels playing against man coverage. It, it's it's the zone coverages and and hiding coverages, you know, and doing tricks at the line that, that really he hasn't mastered the control of that yet. And that allowed the Bears to get back to the game. And, and you know, I, I was talking about this with, with Aaron before we, we, we got you, we dialed you up. And here was my perception of Mitch Trubisky in this game. Mitch Trubisky, uh, you know, his, his, his footwork wasn't the best. His accuracy wasn't the best. He had a couple of guys drop passes. Allen Robinson dropped a pass. Allen Robinson got held in the end zone, which should have been pass interference to give the ball at the one yard line on the one of their, on their first field goal with a, a minute and a half to play in the first quarter. Uh, <laughs> it looked like, that uh, uh, Jimmy Graham had Velcro on the bottom of his cleats and he couldn't jump more than two inches off the ground and he could have had two catches. One should have been a touchdown. And he didn't have the confidence. You know, he he had those happy feet. He was throwing off his back foot. Uh, And then as the game progressed and he realized that he was getting protection he started throwing the ball with more authority, with more accuracy, and that culminated in a fourth quarter where he was eight out of ten for 89 yards, three touchdowns, and a passer rating, a QB rating of 143.3. That's what I saw from Mitch Trubisky on Sunday. Yeah, I mean the fourth quarter it was definitely what you want to see from him you know, year round, you need to have him be consistent. I think, you know, there was a couple of factors in why he started off slow and why he didn't play as well, but also watching him, you know, there were things that you saw that, you know, that, that still are, are a problem and still things that you see from him that you've been seeing for a couple of years. Um, I, I think, you know, the decision-making starting to get a little better. Um, the problem is, you know, in that first quarter, 
you know, Jimmy Graham probably should have jumped. Uh, or time, I'm sorry, he jumped. He probably should have timed his jump a little better. Uh, it, was ter- it was terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, it looked like he was stuck in quicksand, to be honest. It, did, uh, it, really, it really did. And, and, and Trubisky put a good ball there, but then you look at the fourth down, and he puts it behind the receiver, and that's, that's I mean, that's a route that's going to be open. Mike Fury talked about it, that they, I mean, they have that route in there, um, and it's the right route to go to. It's the right read. It's just, you know, the wrong, the bad throw, the not the good throw. So Is that the throw to, to Ted Ginn? Yeah, that's the one that, for some reason, Nagy keeps claiming that the ball was tipped by the yeah, linebacker. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't tipped. Yeah, I, I went back and rewatched it a couple of times. I don't, I mean, it wasn't even close to being tipped. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, it was tipped by Ted Ginn, or otherwise it wouldn't have, it would have been an interception. Yeah. Exactly. How it was yeah. tipped. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wonder this out loud and, and just uh, let you guys think about this. Did Ted Ginn break his route off too early? If he did, if he broke it off at 17 yards instead of 18 yards, he's going to be in the perfect spot to catch that ball, but that extra one yard short, which is your, your, you know, a, a half a second quicker into the middle of the field causes that throw to be underthrown. But I don't know. And we'll no, probably I, never, I, I don't know about that. Out. I will say that I, I, I was shocked. Ted Ginn was on the field as much as he was. He had more offensive snaps than Anthony Miller did. I, I hope that's not a trend that continues, but there's there's no guarantee that Ted Ginn would have caught that ball anyway cuz Ted Ginn is is not a great receiver like i i'm not a, i'm not a huge fan of the Ted Ginn signing other than being like a a sort of a mentor to some of these younger guys um you know so but i my opinion that was a, just a really bad throw by Mitch but i also don't i didn't agree with going for it on fourth down I don't know why you don't kick a 52-yard field goal there. They said Santos was hitting him from 58 in practice. I mean, I would have. I, I thought that this was, you know, this was Nagy's guy that he was comfortable with. I, like, I just, I, I hated a lot of that, you know, a lot of that sequence too, where they, where they go quick with a quarterback sneak, you know, and then uh, I just didn't like that um, on third down, and I just, I don't know, like. <clears throat> there were some questionable moments in there, um, which I which I wasn't a big fan of, but I just thought that was a that was a bad throw, um, you know. And he rushed it, and he kind of had you know he kind of had funky footwork, and it seemed like he was trying to get it over the top. I mean, the guy definitely reached up. The linebacker definitely had his hand up. Um, it just wasn't a great throw. Um, but but what I'll say is that positives. The offensive line looked totally different. Um, they got some tight ends that can block. Demetrius Harris is a great blocker. Um, they were in 12 and 13 personnel, even with three tight ends. I thought some of that stuff looked really good. Um, what I've been wanting them to do is stuff that they did, which is run different personnel in the same formations, which makes them very hard to be predictable. So you, you know, you had the same formations, but with different running backs and different tight ends and different, you know, groups. And I just thought that was great. Now, the hard part about that is it's going to limit some snaps for some other players, you know, so you, you, you saw, um, 
you know, for the first time probably since Allen Robinson's been a bear, you know, he was not, he wasn't even on the field for a hundred percent of the offensive snaps, which is, which has almost never happened in his time. I think he was only on the field for 80, 80, 80% of the snaps. Um, you know, so I just, I thought that was good. Obviously their run game was great. I mean, I'm not like into, uh, you know, all the analytics and stuff, but you know, you see people talk about the EPA and on their run game, you know, and, and that's expected, you know, yards and, and they were great. They were, they were top in, in, in football this weekend. So if they can, to me, that's the thing that's most encouraging and the thing that is probably most likely repeatable about this game is they they seem to have a run game the offensive line looks looks improved they look like they're blocking they look like they're moving um in in unison they look like they have a purpose Tariq Cohen looked great running the ball inside I wanted to see more of that David Montgomery you know, if 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 Charles Leno could stop falling down every time he pulled, and and Montgomery and Cohen didn't have to hurdle him, there would I think they would have had even more yards. Uh, but I'm not gonna slander Charles Leno because Charles Leno made the play of the game that people are not gonna really talk about. But him recovering that fumble, which happened in the fourth quarter, by the way, everybody wants to give Mitch the fourth quarter as if it was all amazing. No, that that play, which was his was, worst, his worst play of the game, came at the, nine. It was the fourth quarter. Yep, there was just about nine and a half minutes left, and uh, uh, you know he he tried to to make something happen, and it it didn't work. He ended up fumbling uh, at being sacked, right. and uh, was a great recovery. Because if, if they lose that ball, I mean, you know, it's it's curtains, I think, at that point. I mean, not completely over, but but that was huge for him to hustle 20 yards back and dive on that ball. Brian Baldinger did a, a really good uh, breakdown on, on the comeback, and he was going crazy over that play. Um, and I think that was just one of the unsung, you know, heroes, one of the un, unsung heroes of the game. Um you know, so that's what I'd say is that like the offense is better around Mitch. The tight ends are clearly better. Cole Komet didn't get much chance in the passing game, but he looked good blocking Demetrius Harris. Like I said, Jimmy Graham, I think that's just, you know, it's a rhythm thing. Like he's going to get there. Uh, he really should have had three touchdowns if you think about it. So I think that's going to get there and that, that will work itself out. Um, for the most part, I, I didn't have tons of problems with Nagy. I really hated the, the, the jet sweep after they got a nice first down. They, they went to the stupid jet sweep from the left hash with Allen Robinson to the left, which was just a stupid play. And then that shovel pass to Robinson down by the goal line, even though it did get five yards. I just I'm sorry, but I hate I don't like the idea of Allen Robinson being <laughs> in the middle of the field like that. But, you know, like, I don't know, so that was kind of, those are my nitpicky, naggy things. But yeah, that, I, you know, and, and Aaron, that is, you, that's, that is, it's, it's, it's picking nits right. on, on the, the play calling, but, you know, but overall, you know, I, I thought he, he did, he did well. He, he, right. he got, he got Mitch in some rollouts. Right. Uh, he got some single replay actions. Right. He, uh, he got the field cut in half for Mitch. We had a strong running game. 
you know, 150 yards Bandit. rushing, 250 yards passing, a 400-yard offensive output, right. uh, and the time of possession was just about dead even. It was uh, 2905 to 3055 in in terms of uh, uh, so almost a two-minute edge to the Detroit Lions, which is basically, you know, in that uh, in that third quarter where where they they dominated and had the ball for almost the entire, you know, th- you know, two thirds of that third quarter was all Detroit. So, so I think but, Nagy should get a ton of credit, not only for the complete revamping of this offense, because it's completely different in a ton of ways. And I think it's all good ways, but he didn't abandon the run other than the, the goofiness of the end of the first half. He didn't abandon it. He, you know, they went back to it. They, you know, like I, I couldn't believe my eyes sometimes when they were running two, three times in a row. Like I was like, what is happening right now? Like, you know, is this, is but they were, they were converting. Yeah, that was, was, that was the best part is they were converting. You know, they ended up with uh, how, how many first downs did they end up having? Um, hang on one second. I'll find it here. Uh, 20, they had 26 first downs. You know, if we can get 26 first downs and 400 yards and three touchdown passes, uh, that's going to, we're going to have a fun year. Absolutely. I mean, it's a brand of football that I enjoyed watching. And what I will say about Mitch that I do think is different is I did think he looked, you could see the light go on at some points. I do think when he was under center, which I like to see him more of, he, you could see him understanding what he was looking at, I think, better than you've seen in, in the past. And it also seemed that sim- things were simpler um, just in general. Like, I, I don't think he, you know, I think they removed a lot of the confusing aspects of Nagy's offense um, where there's, you know, constant checks with the receivers and, and different things where they have to change the routes. And and then he, I mean, let's be honest, he he, he put the ball in some tight windows. I mean, there was that uh, ESPN analytics, you know, next-gen analytics that, that, you know, he has had something like the most tight window touchdowns for a comeback ever or so, something some kind of crazy like super dependent on a bunch of different criteria stats but at the end of the day the guy not only had three touchdowns in the fourth quarter but they were they were tight window throws they were not like people people crap on him about the Washington game because some of them were were easy you know or like you know you can't really say that any of those things those touchdowns that he had were, you know, were not because of his arm talent. So, like, they were definitely real-deal quarterback throws where you say, okay, wow, if he can, you know, if he can do that, you know, like, that's that's what we need. You know, and, you know, Zach, we, he was throwing the ball downfield, which was nice to see. I, you know, I, we didn't see any bubble screens yep. that I can remember. Uh, And our our good friend Lester Wilfong just tweeted a little bit ago, you know, there were, you know, his his in air completions, the the distance the ball traveled. There were only four quarterbacks in the entire league who who had the ball in air longer or farther than Mitch did 
you know, he was he was number five out of 32 quarterbacks. You never saw that last year. You know, yeah. and, and, and they didn't really throw the ball down the field a lot, but they were at least getting it down there mid-range. Yeah, you really didn't see that at all last year because, you know, Trubisky was more you know, check down, short throws, trying to get the ball out and kind of taking the safer routes. Um, I, I think, you know, a lot of that came from that second half and that fourth quarter where, you know, he kind of, I think Trubisky, I've said Trubisky's pretty much at his best when he doesn't think and he's, and he's got to, you know, kind of play on the fly or play backyard football compared to processing things and trying to read defenses. And, you know, in a way, I think Mahomes is kind of the same way. You look at Patrick Mahomes and he's more of like, you know, when things on the fly and he's just going out there having fun and playing football and not necessarily thinking all the time. I think if Mitch could kind of get to that for a full game, he'd be a lot better. I think we saw that in that fourth quarter where he kind of took some chances deep. Um, he had the absolute dime to Anthony Miller down the uh, right sideline for the touchdown. He was yeah, making, talk about it, man. That was a right, same route dime. as last year. Same route as last year, essentially, too. So, you know, I, I think for Mitch, you know, he's got confidence now. You build off of this win, um, no matter how ugly it might have been the first three quarters, you have confidence. And, you know, taking that confidence into week two, I, I, I really want to see him kind of play with, you know, that backyard freestyle type of mentality and kind of be a gunslinger rather than trying to process everything too much at once and and try to think too much at once. You know, as bad as that sounds, uh, I kind of hope that makes sense. Well, here's the thing. This is uh, what uh, PFF Chicago Bears said. Mitch Trubisky finished week one with the second highest rate of positively graded passes and the third highest rate of negatively graded passes. So it, it really was like a tale of two Mitches, you know, and it's like that's why I kind of felt like we saw we saw the good Mitch, we saw the bad Mitch, but but at the end of the day, overall the offense just looks a whole lot more functional and it's not so completely dependent on him, you know, being Great Mitch, you know, um, and so I think that I think that's repeatable. And I do. I will, you know, uh, chalk up a lot of the first half stuff just to them not, you know, I mean, 10 practices, half the snaps he, he got. I mean, you know, it was going to be sloppy. Um, there was no way around that. And, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the Lions did play more zone uh, in the first in the first half. Um, you know, as I think some people thought they might, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a good win. I, and, and it's so much better than the alternative, because I think that if they had lost, you would have really, like you said, Zach had some, some big questions going on. And, and I think all bear fans were pretty in a bad, dark place in, at halftime. Um, you know, this, if, if this game had been at home and there had been fans in the crowd, it would have been yet another game one, uh, where, where Mitch Trubisky was booed off the field, like in the game one last season. Um, and you know, it kind of reminded me of the, uh, the end of the first half in Denver, um, where they kind of botched the special teams, uh, you know, but at least they got the ball and came out and ran after that. So 
Um, you know, the one thing I will say that is that we can all hang our hats on is this is the, what the first time that the Bears have won the the first game of the season since 2013. So, and the first time in Nagy's uh, coaching career, obviously. Yeah, that was uh, Mark Trustman's debut game. Right. So, I mean, it, as as rough as it was, as as you know, it's like we just as Bear fans can't ever have like. <laughs> You know, like like anything perfect. It's always got to be a little messy and ugly. It, you know, it's it's we're one and zero. I mean, I, I don't care. You know, nobody can take that away from them. You're absolutely right. Uh, Adam Rank actually, I he said it best in a in a tweet earlier today. He, he his I'll read it word for word. You can objectively feel the Bears need to play better. You may also enjoy today's victory. It's not either or, one and oh, baby. And mm-hmm. that's the way you got to look at it. You know, you, for for lack of anything better to tag this, this was in all for for what it's worth. It was a preseason game, but it counts in the standings. You know, it's it's you know it's it was a and it's a division win. You know, and, and you find yourself in first place after week one. And, you know, we're in such a bizarre year with COVID and everything else. This is probably the first time in the history of Chicago sports where the White Sox, Cubs, and the Bears are all in first place at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. I know the Cubs just blew the lead right now. I think uh, they're up two in the ninth. But, uh, they were, yeah. Cleveland had a two-run home run by Lindor, uh, and it's tied five to five uh, in the ninth inning with one out, nobody on. But the White Sox beat the Twins, so uh, I think their magic number is down to nine to win the division, and I think uh, down to three to clinch a postseason berth. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time this fall here uh, with baseball wrapping up and the Bears have, you know, their first four games of the season I thought were very, very winnable. Um, they got one under their under their belt now, and now they, you know, they have a Giants team coming in that, you know, looked good for the first 12 minutes or so of that game on Monday night. But after that, they look like a very, you know, beatable opponent and a team that the Bears you know, there's going to be no home field advantage, obviously, so it's kind of hard to feed off of that. But, you know, a team that the Bears should take care of, you know, on Sunday. Do the Bears get to use their Bear Raid siren? <laughs> oh, that's a good I question. I heard they were going to, but, but I don't know. Do you guys think I have to ask you both this? I thought that there was going to be more crowd noise. You know, they talked about... Uh, at least I remember, like on the on the 1920 football drive, there was that part where they were sort of talking with Pace about how, um, you know, the the music was gonna, de- you know, lower when the center, you know, got the ball or whatever, and they were gonna have to figure out how to manage that. I didn't feel like that happened in much of the games that I was watching, and it seemed like every game had a different sort of audio feel to it. What did you guys think of the audio with the crowd and everything? Yeah, it was different. It was very, I don't know how much you guys have been watching the other sports, but I think personally, like, you know, I watch a lot of premier league soccer and overseas soccer. I think they've done it the best. I can watch that game, have it on the background. And it sounds like fans are actually there. 
Um, I'm pretty sure they take their audio from like FIFA, the video game. Okay. I it's weird, like basketball. Obviously, they're in the bubble. Um, hockey, I don't really notice anything. Baseball, I can. I've watched some, actually watched some stadiums where, you know, it, it's been acceptable, and you can tolerate the the crowd noise. I, I'm curious to see what the Bears will do at Soldier Field when when we were there for that scrimmage a couple weeks ago. I mean, granted, we were sitting. They had us like the 100 level under the roof deck. But it was their speakers right on us, so that was very loud. Um, but I know they're, you know, they only can do a certain decibel. So I, I wonder if they can do the bear raid siren. I'm, I'm guessing it can only be in certain situations. It can't be, you know, during the play, pretty much until there's like 15 seconds left on the clock or whatever it is. Right. Well, we'll we'll, we'll find out uh, Sunday uh, shortly after noon because I'm sure that if the Bears win the toss, they will defer. What happened to the Giants' running game? Barkley, 15 carries. 15 carries, six yards. Daniel Jones was their leading rusher. He ran for 22 yards on four scrambles. What the hell happened is, is, so the question is, is the Giants' defense or offensive line that porous? Or was Pittsburgh's defensive line that good? I didn't get a chance to see much of that game because it was the early game. Uh, well, I watched most of that most of that game. I what I think is yes, the Giants' offensive line is not good. I mean, they lost some guys to COVID. Um, their their expensive right tackle, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but from who came over from New England, um, they lost him. Um, you know, and, and Daniel Jones was definitely running for his life and he was actually doing it pretty well up until he threw that red zone pick. But I don't, I don't know what is the deal with them not being able to get Saquon Barkley. And it's just not going in the run game. This is not a new occurrence that they had trouble with it last year, I thought. Um, and it sort of seems like what Saquon ends up doing is, you know, he'll be the outlet or the hit him in the flat and he's able to, you know, make some things happen. But um, I, I thought Jason Garrett had a pretty, pretty bad debut uh, as the offensive coordinator, um, even though, you know, I thought Slayton, Darius Slayton, their their pick from Auburn in 2019 had had some moments and, you know, he's somebody the bears are going to want to keep an eye on. And Evan Engram, you know, is supposedly healthy and, and he's, um, you know, he's a guy that can, can do some damage. I mean, I, I, you know, I just think that in general, um, once Pittsburgh sort of got their footing, uh, it was, it was clear that the, that the giants are just not in their league really. Yeah, there was, you know, Pittsburgh was doing a good job of run blitzing for the final three quarters as well. I think they kind of sat back that first quarter and kind of, you know, s- scouted out what the Giants were going to do um, offensively and, and forced Daniel Jones into some tough decisions. That interception at the goal line was just, that was one of the worst. <laughs> I mean, that was just Yeah. Well, and it was such a great, he had made so many nice plays on exactly. that drive. Like that was like a, I mean I don't know it was like a twenty play drive or something ridiculous. Yeah, they were moving the chains. He kept he kept you know he was. Uh, this is their best his, drive of the night. It was yeah he, he kept he kept you know being in trouble and it was like oh and then he'd make some crazy play and 
And, you know, it was so, but it was, I think it was just super deflating after that, uh, you know, and, and then, like you said, once the Steelers kind of figured out what they were doing, um, you know, they're just better. Ironically, I was listening to that game on my way home from work and the, uh, the announcers and it wasn't Kevin Harlan, which is probably the best guy on Westwood one, but uh, I don't know who the broadcasting team was, but they were, you know, they were, you were listening to the, the Giants get that ball down the field, and they're talking about how good Daniel Jones was in this particular drive, and then he threw the touchdown pass, and then it was all Steelers after that. Mm-hmm. Zach, what's up with Robert Quinn? Yeah, um, that's, you know, it was a little shocking to see him on the injury report last week. Apparently, he suffered the ankle injury um, at that scrimmage at, at Soldier Field. He kind of was leaving the field a little, you know, limping. I, I would say the good news through all of this is he was not placed on injured reserve. Um, it, you know, if the Bears felt that he was going to miss the next couple of games, they would have placed him on injured reserve and just kind of kept him out. I think there's a really good chance we see him Sunday. I think it was just maybe a little more precautionary. If he would have practiced even limited on Friday, you know, he probably would have played. But, you know, they, he had the three uh, DNPs throughout the week. So they kind of, once he didn't practice Friday, you know, it, it pretty much ruled it out. I would say, you know, if I had to predict tomorrow's practice, the Wednesday practice, um, if it's a DNP, I wouldn't panic yet. I think if he had two straight DNPs, it would be, you know, th- Wednesday and Thursday would be time to be a little worried. Um, but, I mean, even if he's limited on Wednesday, that's a, that's a better sign. I think – you know, he had, he had a personal issue going on in the off season. He really won't reveal too much about that. And then the injury kind of just came out of nowhere. I don't even, I can't remember when Nagy even said that he was dealing with the, with the ankle after the scrimmage. So it shocked me a little bit to see him on that injury report last week. But once he didn't practice at all for three days, it was, you know, he pretty much knew the outcome that was coming. We had a couple of changes on the roster. Um, Khalil Mack's little brother is back on the practice squad and and uh, a former Bear got signed and, and, a, and a Bear, uh, I think it was an offensive lineman, got picked off their practice squad and got signed by another team this week. Or yesterday, I guess today. Yeah, there yeah, was so two. Was two. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there was uh, there was two practice squad. Uh, Rashad Smith, the inside, uh, the linebacker. I believe he went to Dallas, and yep. then it was Jamon Brown, the uh, offensive lineman, who went to Philadelphia. And what's kind of interesting was they protected Brown last week. So by Tuesday, 3 p.m., you have to have your four practice squad players that you're protecting, you know, in case that there's, you know, um, with the extra two men active and, and with COVID going on, you know, you're allowed to keep or protect four they didn't protect four this week, so that was kind of interesting to me. They at least they announced them. Maybe they they turned it in late. Yeah. But you know, Brown was one of those guys that they saw as maybe a project pick, but they, they didn't protect him this week. Smith actually had a really good camp. I thought he was one of the better um, undrafted rookies out there that you know was making an impact. And I'm, I'm kind of shocked they didn't protect him this week and, and kind of let him go. Yeah, that's too bad because I mean, obviously you were there, and but we heard that he was a standout in camp. I mean, Pagano mentioned it, and um, and you know, it, I think one of the worst parts about the defense on Sunday was was Danny Trevathan, 
um, just getting scorched in coverage again and again. Uh, I think there was some confusion, you know, with some zone stuff where they're passing from the linebacker to, to cornerbacks. But I mean, he just, there were a few times where he just looked flat footed and Hawkinson just went right by him. Uh, you know, and so, I mean, in fact, they put in Dion Bush, uh, at the end of the game and I was I was you know it's like it was too late for me like they should have you should have recognized that a little bit earlier you know like I felt it just seemed like the defense was a was a step behind uh, you know in terms of the linebackers in the secondary um, this past week and I thought one of the weird things too was that Akeem Hicks seemed to get handled and Jenkins seemed to get handled pretty uh, well by um Ragnow and uh, the rookie right guard they have from Ohio State, whose name is escaping me, but um, they, you know, the other Akeem had the big sack, the only sack of the game, uh, but he was, you know, he didn't get a lot done otherwise. Here's some breaking sports news: Cleveland just hit Contreras and Maven back to back. Maven was hit by the first pitch with the bases loaded, so the Cubs. Uh, beat Cleveland, which obviously helps the White Sox. So we have uh, we have three first place teams in Chicago. So uh, uh, getting getting back to to the football news, um, you know, after the game and in over the last couple of days, uh, Jalen Johnson has been getting some praise. Uh, he, he had a little bit of a rough start. He got absolutely run over. Uh, by a, a receiver earlier in the in the game, and he dropped a, an interception. It was it would have been a tough grab, but he should have pulled it in. Uh, but at the end of the game, he the last play, he broke up the pass uh, in the end zone that uh, that sealed the victory. So he played pretty well. Um, I didn't realize he was as big as he is. You uh, put wearing that number thirty three. He did kind of remind you of a certain peanut. Didn't he? Yeah, he he's a physical corner. He's gonna he's not really afraid to go up and, and play press coverage, and he plays with a lot of confidence out there. He he is a big corner, and he's a guy that fits right in with this Bears defense. You know, he's he's got that confidence. He's aggressive, and and um, you know, is this what Chicago wants on their defense? you know, in a young guy. So I was pretty impressed with seeing him and he had kind of his welcome to the moment NFL NFL welcome to the NFL moment when Marvin Jones absolutely trucked him uh, on one of the plays. But, you know, instead of going right back down, I mean, in losing confidence, he, he actually got up and, and, and he played, I thought he got actually better after that hit and came up with one of the plays of the game at the end, tipping the pass um, in the end zone. That was, um, you know, the, actually the final play of the game. In fact, after the game, I don't know if it was after the game or, or in the last couple of days, but Johnson is even on Twitter saying, I knew he was coming back to me on that last play. Yeah, he said he knew. He read the defense. He knew they were going back to one of their best receivers. Um, and, that, and that's just intelligent. I mean, that's a kid that knows – you know, knows the game already, knows the playbook, knows the scheme, knows where he needs to be. And, and to recognize that as a rookie, I think uh, it's a good sign for the future. Well, just a, overall a good day for, for the rookies. Uh, you know, Darnell Mooney 
uh, was in tw on 21 offensive snaps and had some nice contributions. Um, and of course, I thought you know Komet blocked well. He he didn't um, you know he didn't get a lot of opportunities in the passing game, but he blocked well. Uh, he was the um, you know, and, and I just think he, you know, he looked the part, um, you know, of of a of a NFL player. He didn't look lost out there. Uh, and Travis Gibson got in the game a little bit. Uh, you know, I think he was only in for maybe seven or eight snaps, but he 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 had a couple moments, um, you know, that looked pretty good. And I mean, I thought Jalen was fantastic. You know, I mean, he had that they said it was 47 coverage snaps. Six targets. He had two forced incompletions, and they, and he allowed zero touchdowns. Um, I mean, for a rookie that barely practiced, super impressive. I mean, you know, uh, uh, so I think it was a good showing for for these picks. Um, you know that that pace really needed to show up. So you know that was really nice to see. So onward and upward, week two. New York Giants come to town. The Bears uh, lead the series 34-24 with two ties. Uh, that, that's only 60 games. And, you know, back when the, the league was in its infancy, uh, you know, the, the Giants and the Bears played almost every year. And in fact, a lot of years they played twice. And sometimes they even played three times. Uh, the Bears, of their nine championships, Three of them have come against the New York Giants. They, the uh, Bears uh, beat the Giants in 1933, 23-21. Uh, they beat the Giants again in 1946, 24-14. And then uh, their, their last championship before the Super Bowl era uh, at Wrigley Field, uh, the... the uh, the defense led Chicago Bears uh, for two interceptions, followed by two uh, Billy Wade quarterback sneaks, and uh, they ended up beating the Giants 14 to 10 at Wrigley Field in the, for the 1963 championship. They've met in the postseason eight times, with the Bears winning five of those. The last time they played. Uh, in the postseason was 1991, which uh, wasn't a pretty event, uh, losing 31 to three. But of course, uh, in the Super Bowl era, the 1985 divisional round, where they absolutely throttled the the Giants 21 to nothing in their Super Bowl run, was uh, uh, a really cold, frigid day at Soldier Field. I happened to uh, be blessed enough to be there. Um, it, but it was close. I mean, you know, the, the Giants uh, kind of played them toe-to-toe. -to -toe. They missed a field goal in the first half, and, and the Bears kind of kind of busted it open later on uh, to end up winning uh, 21 to nothing. But uh, uh, just a, an absolutely terrific performance by the Bears' defense in that 85 season. Yeah, Who do you think... Go, they, go they've ahead. Had some history. <laughs> they've had some history in the past. You know, they they had some great history in, until you know you went into the when you went into the '60s. Uh, once they got into the '60s, they didn't play very often. They played only one, two, three, four, five times 
in the 60s. Uh, they only played three times in the 70s. Uh, so when they, you know, when they they separated, and the the Bears actually went to the Western Division in the 60s. Um, you know, they were playing the they were playing the the 49ers twice a year. They were playing the Rams twice per year. Of course, they were playing Detroit, Green Bay, and Minnesota twice per year. So that's, you know, 10 of their 14 games right there. And then of course the, the 16 game season didn't begin until the 1978 season. Uh, and then of course it's, it was four divisions uh, or three divisions. And then they went to four, the, the four division format when they finally expanded to 32 teams, uh, I believe in the 2002 year. So Zach, who you got this week? Yeah, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say the Bears are gonna win again. Um, I think you know I made a bold prediction that they would, the offense would score over or average over 23 points a game this year, uh, which would be dr- dramatically up from last season. So I'm gonna go with the Bears, and I'm gonna pick this one a little more high score. I'm gonna say the Bears are gonna probably win 27 to 16. I think the defense will show up make life difficult on uh, Daniel Jones. And, you know, they're going to have to stop Saquon Barkley in this one. I mean, I know Barkley had a rough, rough start in week one, but he's still a very good running back. And if you kind of let him get it comfortable and get a groove, you know, he'll run all over you. We saw Adrian Peterson put up 93 yards on 14 carries. You just can't let that happen uh, with Saquon Barkley. Aaron? Yeah, the Bears are favored by five and a half, I think, right now. Um and uh, you know, I think they should be. Um, I will say that I'm I'm not I'm not feeling as convinced that it will be an easy win. Um, just I just I'm you know I, I feel a little less confident about it, but I do think they're going to win. Um, I, I, if I had to guess the score, I would say maybe 24 to 17 Bears. Um, you know, I, I think they need to look out for, I saw the Giants defense seems to like to move around a lot pre-snap and not really come set to try to confuse, uh, you know, and disguise things. So, um, I would say, you know, they look out for that. And then I really hope that, you know, that Pagano gets this safety blitz crap out of his system, but I don't think he's going to, but Every single time that they blitzed with the safety uh, on Sunday, it was bad, uh, and and something bad happened. So, you know, if Quinn comes back, I'll feel much more confident, and I would probably, you know, change my prediction. But with no Quinn, yeah, I'm a little worried. I mean, although I did think I think Barcavius Mingo played really solid and was an unsung hero uh, of that game. Uh, you know, stepping in for Quinn, I, I thought he looked really much better than I thought he was going to. Um, so, you know, if if Quinn doesn't start, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, but we definitely, um, I think that Mac can get to Jones um, more than than he got to um, to Stafford. Although Mac was very disruptive. But you didn't hear his name called. I can't remember his name called once during the the game. Um, you know, Hicks got the one sack. They got one sack on the entire day. 
Um, I, I was disappointed in in the pass rush, to be honest with you. Zach, what did you think? Yeah, I think when you look at the pass rush, it, it did struggle a little bit. They didn't finish off the sacks. Um, there was a couple opportunities, but you know, a lot of people like to look oh stats or sacks and tackles, and that's fair. I mean, stats is obviously or sacks. I'm excuse me, sacks is obviously a big stat. But you look at Cleo Mack, and you know he finished second with quarterback pressures in week one. He finished second with a pass rush win rate. And there's a lot of factors that kind of go into it. I mean, you know, Stafford was getting the ball out pretty quick. Uh, Stafford also did do a good job of stepping up and feeling the pressure. And there was times where, you know, Mac was being held, wasn't called, or maybe Mac took the wrong angle um, and could have had a sack. I think overall, the, the you know, you got to get more sacks. You got to get more pressures. But, I mean, I wasn't too displeased. I see, you know, there's a lot of, you know, oh, well, Mac didn't get any sacks and a lot of that talk on, on Twitter it's it's week one. He's still getting pressure, which should open up things for other guys. I think getting Robert Quinn back will really really help. Um, you know, it, it, you're gonna ha- you can't account for Quinn and Mack and and Hicks on that line. You're gonna someone's gonna be freed up for an opportunity. This is whoever that person is gonna have to take advantage of that opportunity and, and get the sack. So yeah, I, I do agree. Yes, you know, you you do need more sacks, but I mean, it's not like Mack's getting zero pressures or anything like that. I just felt like for me, he looked like his health and his energy was fully back. You know, like I felt like his effort was where it needed to be. And I don't think it was last year because he was hurt, you know, um, which is still, it's still only vaguely been confirmed, but, but it's, you know, I think it, I think it's safe to say he was hurt for most of last year. Um, but I just felt like his energy was really good. I, I, you know, the way he fired up everybody on the sideline and got everybody together and got it, you know, um, got into their, them a little bit and, you know, kind of got them going was important. Um, and he was disruptive. I mean, he had a pressure on the last throw of the game <clears throat> that Jalen ended up breaking up, but I thought that was important. Um, and he was held at least six or seven times. They called it twice, and one was offset because Jalen Johnson, they said, had a holding penalty. So, uh, I mean, yeah, you didn't see – I we need to see the splash plays, um, but I thought they were missing – I think – it was unfortunate because without Goldman, it was kind of like Goldman was without Hicks. You know, you just, you really missed them and they, and they just got gashed by Adrian Peterson up the middle. So that's my only fear for this game is, you know, that they, that somehow the giants are able to, you know, to run up the middle with Saquon um, or that Daniel Jones is able to escape up the middle the way that we saw Stafford do it. Yeah, the uh, the pressure up the middle. We, we certainly missed Eddie Goldman. Uh, he's just hard, just hard to to replace. Um, they got to do something on on the defensive line for sure to to get that pressure. And if Quinn can come back, hopefully that will be the ticket. Do you, but, Zach, uh, do you think uh, Mario Edwards is going to be inactive this week? Um, yeah, cause he was inactive week one, you know, it, it's tough with these new, the kind of the rules where you can have two extra guys. I, I right. think we'll probably see him active. I think, you know, letting go of, um, of, uh, Abdullah Anderson was big. So I think we'll probably see Mario Edwards active. Uh, they don't want to get gashed on the ground again. Right. I, I just thought they did a bad job of identifying. It was like, 
you knew what was going to happen when Adrian Peterson came in the game, and it seemed like they were surprised every time. You know, like I was just like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, they were they were definitely missing Eddie Goldman too. Like yeah. you guys said, I mean, that that that's huge. That can't be understated. I mean, right. he's a guy that eats up blocks up the middle, and, right. and you know, just high motor and, and can make things happen. He's not going to get a lot of sacks. He's going to get some pressures. He's really good in the run game as well. Yeah. So my picks for this week, I've got seven games that I, that uh, I I'm looking at on the board. I've got the Rams minus one over the Eagles in Philadelphia. The, the Eagles offensive line was just absolutely brutal against Washington. And, and with the Rams defense being, what it is, uh, I think that the Rams defense is going to have a field day. Uh, based on what the Packers did offensively, uh, they opened their home schedule against the Lions, and I've got the Packers uh, giving uh, six points uh, over Detroit. Of course, the Bears are, are the, on the line that I've got. They're minus five and a half. I think they'll cover that over the, the Giants. Uh, Seattle is minus five and a half with new England coming to town and with what, uh, with what Russell Wilson is doing, he looks like he's in mid season form. I think uh, it's going to be tough for new England to come all the way across the United States and compete. Uh, the Kansas city chiefs get to christen Los Angeles. Uh, the, their SoFi is in it. The SoFi stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the chargers yeah. turn to, uh, to uh, christen their new LA. What a gorgeous stadium, guys. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens travel to Houston. Um, it, somebody made this remark after Thursday's game. It was amazing how Deshaun Watson looked a lot like Mitch Trubisky without DeAndre Hopkins uh, being having him to throw the ball to. So I think the Ravens are going to go to Houston and cover that. And the Cowboys open their home uh, season against the Falcons, and I've got the under at 52 and a half on that game. So uh, we'll see how well I do next week when we come back. Uh, we've been talking with uh, our guest and friend of the Halitech Hall show, Zach Pearson from BearReport.com. Uh, Zach, any any last words? Um, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, it's always a good time and I'm looking forward to hopefully it's an exciting bear season. Um, I, I think, you know, week one had us all on the edge of our seats there and the comeback was incredible. So I, I hope they can get a couple of games where they win in blowout fashion. Uh, it kind of keeps my heart rate down a little bit more. So uh-huh. other than that though, yeah, it, it should be a good season. It's about time we snatch victory from the jaws of defeat rather than the other way around to start exactly, the season. Exactly. Because both games in the Nagy era, the uh, the game in Green Bay and the game against Green Bay in Chicago uh, were both games that they should have won and didn't. So it was nice to see the Bears finally turn the tables and win one that maybe they shouldn't have. Aaron, last words. 
Uh, I would say uh, of the games that are going on this weekend, I would look. I would like to keep an eye on the Washington at Arizona game. Uh, Riverboat Ron's got quite a defense in Washington, uh, and I know the Eagles were depleted, but they got their defensive line is is pretty monstrous. They had eight sacks, um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they do out in Arizona versus Kyler Murray uh, and the aforementioned DeAndre Hopkins. So I like to keep an eye on that. And the other thing I would mention to uh, Zach, who's a member of the media and Bears Twitter that might be listening, is let's go easy on Matt Patricia because we want him around as long as possible. Uh, <laughs> yes, he, yes. He is the best friend to the Bears that uh, that we could really have in Detroit. Um, you know, the, his teams every year just seem undisciplined, unfocused, and just all around, uh, you know, just a hot mess. And so uh, I hope he stays forever. I hope they sign him to a lifetime contract. So um, everyone, as much as it is fun to to rag on Detroit, just leave Patricia out of it. You know, let's keep Patricia around as long as possible. Zach, the uh, the Cleveland Browns uh, uh, are the team playing on Thursday night this year. They're 0-1. Uh, they're at home, but they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals. So you've got Burrow and, and Mayfield going at it. And you know, it, just we mentioned previously with Detroit in Green Bay, you, know, you got a situation where Cleveland and Detroit can both be looking up at a 0-2 record. Uh, does that put either one of those coaches on the hot seat right away? Um, uh, possibly. You know, it's hard to tell this early in the season. I think, you know, a couple starts, a couple more games would be easier to tell. Um, I, I do think, you know, someone like Matt Patricia is probably on the hot seat going into the year. Um, I think he'd get at least six, seven games under his belt. If they start pretty poor, yeah, I think he'd be gone. I think he'd probably be the first to be gone. Well, and, and isn't uh, part we're going to see Parky, right, in that game, aren't we? Uh, yeah, yeah. The Browns have Parky uh, back. Yeah, yep, so that should be fun. Um, and I have to say, I mentioned this in the strangest 2020 thing of all is that all these kickers around the league are flailing and failing. We saw Gostowski with one of the strangest kicker games ever uh, last night. Cairo Wait. Santos is perfect. And the Bears, the Bears actually, you know, uh, didn't have kicker woes. You know, I mean, Prater missed a kick, and Cairo Santos, of all people, is, you know, is is looking like a, a solid kicker. Hey, so strange. Two field, thing ever. two two for two on field goals. And yeah. Three for three on extra points. Um, How yeah. funny will it be that after that whole kicker circus if we end up with Cairo Santos? I mean, because honestly, like, if he kicks well again, how do you take the job from him and give it back to Pinheiro? Good yeah, point. That's a tough one. I, I don't know. If, if Santos, you know, comes out and is – and it's perfect. I mean, the Bears are going to have a decision decision to make. Yeah, if it's week four and he hasn't missed a kick, you cannot bring Pinheiro back. I'm going to say it right now. You cannot. Like, you, you keep him on the practice squad, you protect him, whatever you got to do. You know, I just I don't see how you could take the job from him at that point. Uh, well, technically, since he's on injured reserve, you don't have to take him off injured reserve, do you, Zach, even if he's healthy? 
Um, no, but I mean, I think if you keep him on, he's out longer. So um, I, I, there might be a change with that, with the new rules, because obviously the three-week thing. So, yeah, I think you, he would have to be out for almost remainder of the season then. Oh, and I got to toot my own horn for the Jaguars because I called that game and they won. And and I and I don't think I think they're gonna give Tennessee a fight too. So so hey <laughs> guys, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of plug uh, I'm gonna plug I have a new show that I do on the the uh, Chicago Sports Zone app. I, I do a live pregame show an hour and a half before the Bears uh, before the Bears play uh, with my co-host, a guy by the name of Ivan Vargas. And uh, in my pregame uh, show, uh, my pick to click was Anthony Miller. So, so I'm going to toot my own my my own horn there too. So um, you know you can follow us live on on YouTube. Uh, at 10:30 on noon games and 1:30 on three o'clock games, and uh, I don't know if I'll be able to do the 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 Monday or Thursday editions because of work schedules, so that remains to be seen. But uh, it's a lot of fun talking bears. I don't care whether whether it's uh, uh, with with you guys and our, all the other guests that we have on this show and my co-host Aaron, my new show on YouTube called the uh, Chicago Sports Zone barely because we can't use the word Chicago Bears, so it's the barely pregame show, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So it, it was interesting doing it live instead of doing it recorded. So uh, as always, Zach, you're always welcome on the show, uh, as well as the other guests that we have on pretty often. This is what maybe your fourth or fifth time with us, and it's always a pleasure to have you on board. No, no, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Zach. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, All for right. sure. Let's do it again sometime. We will definitely be doing it often this season. Maybe uh, uh, we'll get you on pretty regularly between you and our friend Lester Wilfong from uh, Windy City Gridiron. You're our, our top two guests, so we really appreciate you coming on board. Maybe we'll get both of you on. We get a different look, one from Windy City Gridiron, one from Bear Report. It could be a lot of fun. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm up for it. All right, man. I will, uh, I'll, I'll reach out to Lester and see if we can't put that together. So that wraps up the Halitech Hall show for this week. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the, the Giants game, and uh, then we'll be looking at the next game on the schedule, which is, does anybody have the schedule Atlanta. up? Atlanta. They play, yeah, they play at Atlanta, and then they have back-to-back home games with the Colts and uh, the uh, uh, the Tampa Bay Gronkineers. <laughs> uh, I, I, I stole that from somewhere. I, I don't know where, but maybe one last thing before we go. We were talking a little bit about the uh, – about Detroit and uh, about Cleveland. So after the Bears, I'm sorry, after the the Lions travel to Green Bay, they've got to go out to Arizona and face Kyler Murray uh, in the desert. So that uh, that could be an 0-3 record staring them at the face in the face. And and uh, if uh, Cincinnati beats Cleveland this Thursday, um, they get Riverboat Ron's Washington football team. 
uh, in Cleveland to, to visit. So that's another team that could be staring down an 0-3 hole to start the season. Yep. So with that, uh, that wraps up our show. Uh, we'll hope to see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week, everybody. Bear down. Thanks.